0: Hey guys, it's me, Virginia Yanchova, you with the Fashion Photography Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with a very exciting guest. I was very happy once I knew who's going to be here with me, and now I'm even more excited when you're going to listen to our interview. He's full of energy, constantly up to something, <laughs> leading a really large team of professional photographers, and he's not afraid of high-speed challenges or new crazy ideas. Pai and his two co-workers are definitely the people who can let us know is it good to be big in a photography business. He'll share with us some tips about starting with zero experience, There are also marketing tips and very funny stories. There are a lot of new things that you can learn from this interview, so keep up with our conversation.
1: My name is Pai Jirsa, and I like to race cars.
0: Whoa, that's (laughs) a nice introducing. (laughs) You're the first person ever telling me something like this in an interview for our podcast. So what's your background?
1: I was actually born in Iran, but raised in the United States. Lived in Utah for a good portion of my life. And then after graduating college, I came out to California. That's where I live now.
0: Oh, California. So, so nice. Did you start your business in California?
1: Yes. I used to be a CPA, a public accountant. Mm -hmm. And me, Justin and Chris, we're all like kind of three best friends. We're like family. We used to all be CPAs that work for Ernst and Young. And we quit to do a startup that failed. And then that eventually led into photography.
0: I was going to say awesome, but I don't think it's that awesome that your business (laughs) failed. So,
1: It is awesome. Failing is awesome because that means you've tried one thing that doesn't work and now you move on to the next thing. So...
0: So what's the next thing?
1: So we started a photography studio seven years ago about called Literature Photography and that took off and did really well. And we're still running that, obviously. And then uh, a few years after that, we started SR Lounge, a magazine to educate photographers or an online magazine, basically.
0: What made you start this part of your career, the educational side?
1: The educational side was honestly, I was teaching our team the same thing over and over. So as we hired people, my job was the post-production and kind of the shooting techniques and all those kind of things that we implemented. And so I was teaching our team the same things on a very repetitive kind of basis. And so I thought, you know, rather than just teaching everybody the same thing over and over, why not just put it into a video? So we started making videos and it was originally for our own employees. And then we thought, well, why don't we just release these out to the public? And as we started releasing the public, we started getting a following and they started asking for actual full length tutorials and all that kind of stuff. And so we started creating education around what we do.
0: That sounds great. Having feedback, I think it's so important. Did you look for it when people were asking about more?
1: I think it was more as a test. Star Lounge got to about 50,000 monthly users and it was starting to take a significant amount of time and it wasn't generating any revenue. And so Justin and Chris were saying, like, you know, maybe it's time that we let that go because we need to focus on the photography business. And I said, you know, like it seems like people want full length education, that they want these full tutorials. So let's just try and create one and let's see if we can generate revenue from it because if we can, it makes it worth doing. And when we released our first set of education and resources and everything. The community really loved it and they picked up on it and we were able to start turning into a business. So we actually were able to put our time in that area. It was kind of a very natural, organic process of just creating it for our own people, eventually realizing that we couldn't do it for free continuously and then kind of just testing it with one product.
0: Tell me about this product. I want to know it all. I'm sorry I'm asking all these questions.
1: (laughs) I think the original product we released was Lightroom based training. So it was like a Lightroom. A to Z training on, you know, how to post produce your images. And then we followed that up with our presets that we use to develop our images. And then we started coming out with photography training and lighting training and all the different things that we do now. But yeah, it was originally just Lightroom education.
0: So it was you doing the educational part.
1: Yeah, for the most part, because I'm basically like the creative director for our company. So for Lineagers of Photography, I'm the one that develops kind of, I mean, all of our shooters, we all are inspired from each other and the partners and my two partners, Justin and Chris, they're amazing photographers. I'm kind of the guy that if you were to relate my job to like, let's say, I don't know, the head chef of a restaurant chain, that head chef would create the recipes and then the restaurants would kind of follow those recipes. And so my job every day is to go and test and to create these different techniques and to try out things and to do these on client shoots and on styled shoots and on conceptual shoots and everything and then the stuff that kind of works and works well that partners will approve of and that becomes part of our official style as we go and do these things i turn the tests and the all the conceptual shoots and all those different client shoots i turn them into education for everybody so i do the educational stuff and i also do kind of creative development for our photography studio
0: you're doing so many stuff <laughs> Sounds like you're really good at this. But tell me, what's your weakness?
1: Oh, I have tons of those.
0: Oh, really? Doesn't <laughs> sound like that.
1: Weaknesses. Okay.
0: You didn't expect that, did you?
1: No, my weakness is I would say balance. Is a very difficult thing for me I'm very much the kind of person that If I put my mind to something like I can sit Here and focus on writing a book for 16 hours straight but during that time I can't do anything else so I ignore all my Emails I ignore phone calls I ignore Like everything and so trying to learn How to balance and handle The responsibilities of being a father Of being a husband of being a business owner Of handling my clients and all those kind of things That's probably my biggest challenge but I have Plenty of weaknesses that's for sure
0: I also know that you are doing some interviews.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So tell me about the most exciting one, the one that you learned a lot of things from.
1: Goodness, I think every one of them were awesome just for different reasons. Each person has something so unique to kind of offer in the way that they approach their business, their photography, everything. If there was one person that stood out, goodness, I wouldn't even say the one person that stood out because I would think like for each of the people that I've interviewed, they're gonna stand out to different people based on where they're at in kind of their jobs and their journey and everything like that. But at the time for me, one of my favorites was Sue Bryce. After the interview, she kind of became a friend of ours. She's not only an amazing photographer, she's a portrait photographer, but she's just a great person in general. And she has such a wonderful spirit about her and her approach to valuing herself, her work and her clients was very much like an opener in terms of just how she was able to speak about it and to sell her business and to sell her work to her clients.
0: It was a very tough question. I'm very sorry for that. But I was hoping you're going to mention this interview because I watched it and I just saw your reaction and you were kind of so emotional to that. And I loved it. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned back then that you also have a problem with the business part, negotiating prices and things like that. Where are you at this point of your life?
1: you talked about weaknesses. That's one of my weaknesses. But my two business partners, Justin and Chris, I would say Chris, in terms of the business wise, he's kind of somewhere in between me and Justin. So Justin's strengths are literally exactly the opposite of mine. Like if I were to walk into a business meeting, and I had the tendency to go into the meeting, and I, I want to serve every client, and I want to make them happy. And I want to, you know, deliver because I kind of tend to be very emotional. And I fall in love with these people and want to to be there for them. So when it comes to oh yeah, let's negotiate the price and they go, you know, I say my starting price is $10,000 and they go, oh, we only have six. My tendency is to want to drop my price and to service them anyway because I think they're such cool people. This is a huge weakness because it completely devalues the work that I do and what I do. Whereas with Justin though, he can very much just go into one of these same meetings and if they say my price is 6000 he can upsell them and get them back to a budget. Budget that will actually work with our studio and not only upsell, but if they aren't able to meet the budget, he can just cut it off and say, look, you know what? We can't service this and do all those things. So I actually took a step back from the sales process and I would meet with the clients, but I wouldn't talk business to them. So we hired a studio manager who was very much like Justin. And now we have three studio managers. These people are the ones that deal with the business side of it. So that way I don't deal with it. I took myself out of the equation basically where I was weak.
0: Do you think that learning something like this is is something that a person can do, in fact. You think that we're just born like this or we can actually learn it?
1: I think everybody is different, but there's certain commonalities that I've noticed with photographers. I mean, photographers, we are artists in general, and in general, artists, they tend to be kind of more emotional people. As a more emotional person, you kind of like sympathize and empathize with these clients. Most of us have that tendency to want to over-please, to lower our prices, satisfy, and to do whatever we can because we're so emotionally attached to these people and to our work and all these kind of things. I definitely feel like it can be learned. If I had to do it right, right, now, I'd be much better at it than I was five years ago, but it takes time and it takes understanding that once you create a product that is of value and you get to that point in your career that you need to kind of hold yourself to that and realize that, hey, if you have something that's worthwhile and people see value in it, you shouldn't devalue it just because some people can't afford it. And I think that's the toughest part about being a photographer is sometimes it hurts when someone says I can't afford it and you really want to be able to work with them. You have to be okay with that.
0: Sometimes it hurts. I couldn't say it any better than this because I've been there and I know your struggles. You're right. In certain moment, we have to value our work and we're the only people who can do that.
1: Yeah. If you don't do it, then nobody else will. So
0: tell me what's the pros and cons and being in a trio.
1: Now we have a team of about 60 creative professionals. We have a total roster of about 80 people. Whoa. So there's three partners in the company. We have about 40 people in the studio Monday through Friday. And then we have another 20 that are part time, another 20 that are basically just shooters that shoot when we need them to shoot. So we have a good sized team. And I would say that the greatest thing about a team is that you can do things that are otherwise impossible. I mean, the whole reason that we are where we are and are doing what we do is because of the team of supporting people behind us. The obvious downsides of working in a trio or in a larger team or in anything is that you kind of need to give up some of your control you give up a little bit of freedom to play in this bigger world and environment and so in a partnership with three people it's not okay for you just to make business decisions by yourself in a company of 80 people it's a huge responsibility to make sure that whatever direction and whatever business shifts we make we're responsible for each of the people that work with us and so there comes a little bit of pressure and responsibility along with that to make sure that we're always doing things that are smart good for the company good for each individual because there livelihoods depend on it. That being said, we have these massive productions. Where we'll go and put together these crazy short films and, and we'll go and do these awesome weddings. Like we had a wedding that was 1,500 guests. John Legend was the performing artist at the wedding. It was absolutely massive. I mean, they spent millions and millions of dollars on this wedding and it took us a team of 35 photographers and associate photographers to be able to shoot the whole thing. So we did video and we did cinema and still for their entire wedding. And I can't think of another studio that could do that. There's huge benefits to be able to work in a large team and the kind of product that you can create is so much more impressive than what we'd be able to do as just individuals. The upside is huge and the only thing you have to work with is communicating and working in a team and giving up some of that control.
0: How do you get to manage so many people? I mean, have you ever been in a situation when someone fails you?
1: Well, for sure. And Justin, my partner, he's kind of been instrumental in, in growing the business. So if I were to be the person creating the products and the ideas, Justin's the person that's actually putting together the actual organization and structure to sell and to push out those products. And Chris is the guy that's marketing and getting the word out and getting the inquiries coming in. And so we all have kind of our division of responsibilities. And yeah, like sometimes somebody drops the ball. And depending on the severity of it, usually it's not a mess up that is so big that someone would ever lose their jobs about it unless it happened over and over and over like if it was something that was repeated we try and make sure that we educate and give everybody the chance to kind of right their wrongs and to do that and so we're very loyal to our people but it does happen where you have a big team and it's kind of crazy you can have a team of 80 people and 79 of them can be absolutely awesome a players and you can have one person come in who is just toxic that one person will spread like a cancer throughout the entire company we've seen it happen before where one person comes in and because of that one person the attitudes and mentality and work ethic and everything of groups of people will change because of one individual so when you spot that type of a situation it's your job to immediately take care of it and to remove it and it doesn't happen often if you're hiring the right people i think it's happened once or twice in our entire seven years of running a studio but if you're hiring the right people you have it just an entire team that's looking in the same direction that has the same goals and they have your backs and it's a really fun and rewarding kind of environment to work in.
0: you're like the good guys in a very busy world <laughs> <laughs> i love to keep it fun here but also educational so can you share with us one of your funniest photo shoots a story funniest about, yeah
1: boy i've had some funny photo shoots before early on in our careers we were when we were trying to learn how to take pictures we took our friends out like just people that we knew and we took some pretty like ridiculous like they were engagement photos and we took some pretty awful engagement photos and we paired it up with even more awful post-production and our first year was just not good. But just I, very I, honest. <laughs> I think a lot of people will face that and whether they're honest about it or not every now and then I'll post one of these photos from our first year of business And especially from our very first five shoots, they're terrible. I remember one shoot I went on, it was an engagement shoot. At the time, I really didn't know how to pose couples. I mean, this was my second shoot I ever did. I didn't know how to pose. I didn't know how to do anything. And the guy kept saying that we were in a park and he kept saying, oh, that's a nice tree. And so we would go and they would just stand by the tree and we'd just take a picture. And he's like, oh, that's a really nice tree too. And then they'd go and take a picture next to that tree. And when I got back to the studio, I had 30 pictures of this couple just standing by different trees. (laughs) And I was like, this is awful. Like I have to be able to at least coach them and be able to help these people who have no idea how to take a photo who just go, that's a nice tree. That was probably one of my like funniest shoots that I've ever been on is is the tree shoot.
0: (laughs) Tree shoot. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't thought you've ever had to learn anything. And I believe other people are in the same situation because you're like the guy who is teaching others. (laughs) Tell me about, do you have any photography educational background?
1: No, so from coming from accounting, I, uh, when we started the studio, actually, we didn't even own a camera. Really? (laughs) So we left to do a web startup. We had funding for it. Mm -hmm. And about three weeks after we quit, the recession started. So the angel investors that we had, they basically said, look, this is too risky for us. We have to, you know, withdraw from the investment. And so they pulled out. And so at that point, we basically said, okay to all the people that we were going to hire and to everybody that we had planned to do this with, we said, guys, it's over. Like we're done. Can't go. And we already had a prototype website and everything. It kind of just crashed and burned. And so me, Justin and Chris said, all right, well, what now? We just barely quit our jobs three weeks ago. We can't go back. So we started doing some web design, like just consulting work for local companies. And it was hard to get business, but we did have like a few clients. One of them was the government, actually, the, uh, Compton Unified School District. They hired us to work on their website and they called over one afternoon. They said, hey, do you guys do photography? Because we need photos for the website you guys are helping design. We're working out of my one bedroom apartment and we're starving and, you know, I'm married and Justin is engaged and and Chris is the only one that's lucky enough to be a bachelor at the time that doesn't (laughs) have any other responsibilities. So we were like hard pressed and we were budgeting two dollars per meal just to uh for food and stuff, because we had to like just very strictly budget everything. So on the phone, I'm like, absolutely. We have a photography division. Hold on one second. And Justin is sitting right next to me. And I, I remember having the iPhone one and I put it on hold and I gave him the phone. I'm like, you're the photography division. Tell him we do photography, book the job. So he answers the phone. And he's like, this is the photography division. And, <laughs> and he, <laughs> he books this job. And I, I think it was only like a thousand bucks or something like that for the shoot. But we didn't even have a camera. And we were like, OK, at that point, we started just making all the typical mistakes, you know, every one of us would do. We went to Costco and picked up a Rebel.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> we went and did the shoot and when Chris showed up. So Chris, Justin booked out Chris to go do the shoot. I was the one that was supposed to learn photography and teach Chris everything I could possibly learn in a two-week period, which I didn't know anything at the time because I didn't even own a camera. I just started doing all these reading and crash courses and everything, and I found I was interested in it, and I taught Chris everything I knew, and when he was leaving, he's like, dude, I have no idea what to do, and I'm like, you know what? I don't really know either, so just put it on auto and just go to town. Like, you're shooting raw, put it on auto and just go nuts. So when he arrived... It was actually a helicopter shoot. We didn't even know. Like, this is how ridiculous it was. We didn't even know what it was. He just arrives at this airfield and the people are like, okay, let's go up in this helicopter. And he's like, what? Like, what do you mean? He's like, we need to get shots of the city. So our very first shoot, they take Chris up in a helicopter and he shoots like 1,500 images that look exactly the same. Just like (laughs) midday noon, top down shots of the city. Like every single shot looked identical.
0: Oh, poor guy.
1: And he came back and he gave me the photos. And I was like, well, what do I, what do, I do with 1,500 shots that are like identical? Like, he's like, I have no idea, dude. They just sent me up in a helicopter. So I called them. I'm like, hey, guys, what did you want to do exactly with the photo shoot? And they're like, oh, well, we want to design this billboard that has a picture of the Compton city in it, but it's just a small picture and we need a big picture of a teacher. And I'm like, well, we, we didn't shoot a teacher, though. And they're like, well, we need to do that, too. So then we booked it again to go and shoot a teacher. Chris goes out and does that, does it again. I mean, it's horrific. The image was so bad. I spent like two weeks just photoshopping it to the point where that's the one thing I didn't know. I knew how to photoshop from college because I used to do design work. I photoshopped it into this image that looked decent enough and it went up onto billboards and onto buses. And then we thought, hey, this is kind of cool. Like the very first thing that we created went up onto a billboard in the city and we'd be driving around seeing it on a bus and that kind of stuff. And I said to Justin, Chris, I'm like, I really like this. I think we should focus on photography. and That's kind of where Justin and Chris were like, if we're going to focus on it, we should learn how to do it. I'm like, absolutely. I'll be in charge of learning how to take pictures. Justin and Chris focused on the business and marketing side.
0: When you said this about the photography division, I feel that you have this love and knowledge of negotiating. I don't know if you sensed it, but I think you're just too afraid of it. I would never thought that I would say to someone that I have a photography division or any kind of division by the phone. You're a very birth person.
1: We came from Ernst & Young and big corporate America, which is, you know, a lot of it is just making yourself seem bigger than you actually are, especially right after our trying to go and get investments and going to get all this kind of stuff. We're pitching to people nonstop. A lot of pitching is just making yourself seem bigger.
0: Bigger than you actually are. I love that. And I actually see a lot of this on the internet because, you know, now it's all over. And I was wondering, do you think that there is a point when you have to stop or even a point when you should start being acting better than you are bigger than you are?
1: It's really interesting. I think, you know, I studied a lot of companies. My, my favorite thing to do is, is to learn. I love reading. I love listening to audiobooks. I love getting my hands on anything and just learning. That's why I loved learning about photography and then teaching it to other people. I constantly read and one of the one of these books that I read and I can't remember which one it was, but it, it mentioned basically that as businesses go, the aim of a startup or a small company is to make yourself appear far larger than you actually are. And then once you're actually successful, good and great companies, they will make themselves seem smaller than they actually are. The purpose behind that is like if you are say Apple and you want to buy out Comcast television or DirecTV or one of these companies, if you kind of flex your muscles and you show, then the government might think that you actually will end up with a monopoly if you control too many of these possible things. And so these large companies, their whole goal is, Oh, no, we don't have a monopoly on this. We don't have that. We're not anything special. We're nothing like don't don't mind us. It's okay. Like we're totally fine. Just keep going about your day. Nothing to see here. Whereas if you're a small company, it's very much the opposite. It's hey, guys, we're doing great things. We're doing amazing things. We're going to be the biggest thing to ever the world. When in reality, there's really not much there. For any small business, for any small photographer starting out, any artist starting out, your goal should be to flex your muscles and show how big you are and look successful even if you aren't. We kind of talk about that in the way that you market. If you only shoot once a month, save the images and post one image per day on different channels, on different places to make it look and post different images from different parts of the day and everything. Use that one shoot to make it look like you did 10 different shoots during that time.
0: Uh love that advice. Sounds great. Do you think that there are photographers that don't have to do this? They're not at this point of their photography life.
1: You mean like if they're already well established?
0: I would say that a person who is not ready to become big shouldn't do something like this.
1: If it's your goal to become a professional photographer, I don't think there's any way around not self-promoting. You need to self-promote. You need to get the word out. You need to make it seem like you are bigger and more successful than you actually are if it is your goal to become a professional. There's very few. In fact, I can't really think of any photographers that have jumped into the industry just doing that incredible of work that they don't have to do any promotion or any marketing whatsoever. I mean, even people that come into the industry with just a crazy commercial portfolio are going around and pushing that portfolio to agencies and to every possible place they can get their hands on. They're making it, they're constantly networking and getting their name out. I just don't think given the competitiveness of the industry, there's any way of doing it regardless of what field of photography you're in. There's no way to become successful unless you're pushing hard and self-promoting hard.
0: You mentioned agencies. What do you think about that?
1: In terms of doing commercial work?
0: Yeah, probably commercial work.
1: Agencies aren't really something that we have done a lot of. Most of the commercial work that we've done is directly in contract with the company. We've done work for Toyota, for Wilson Automotive, for Porsche, for GMG, for Nissan. We've done work for big commercial clients. Usually we're hired directly through the company. They find out about our studio through like Oftentimes it's through our wedding and portrait work because we just kind of have friends of friends and we just meet people and they hire us to go and do something. I've worked twice with agencies. One was for a series of Nissan commercials that we did and one was for an American Express commercial. And to be honest, I, I hated the process. It was for me the most draining process I think I've ever been in in my life.
0: Why? Tell us why.
1: Well, and and this isn't to say that every agency and every experience is going to be like this, but Almost for... Every.
0: I can I can say it here because I'm working a lot with agencies. So okay. almost every agency is like this, I believe.
1: So like for the Nissan shoot, I remember the budget wasn't anything crazy. I think we were like somewhere around $35,000. It was originally supposed to be a very simple production. It was supposed to be kind of like a day in the life of type production. And this was like the second commercial job I'd ever done. So I really didn't know how to like renegotiate budgets and all that kind of stuff back then. But we had six creative directors on the project. And for those that don't know what a creative director is, I was hired as the director, which means that on the set, I'm the one that's making the creative decisions and making the calls and and choosing what angles and doing all this kind of stuff and executing the story and the vision for the project. But a creative director's responsibility is to basically, they're almost oversee the director. And we had six of them. So there was four on the agency side and two on the Nissan side. And what that means is any creative decision that the director would make, whether it's in the storyboarding process, whether it's in the planning phases, whether it's actually on set during the shoot, any creative decisions were going through six different people. And if you can imagine, a creative decision that goes through six people is going to get shut down somewhere along the point probably 95% of the time all the good ideas and all the ideas that would have made the project stand out and be unique were basically shut down by one of the creative directors every single time originally this small shoot that was gonna be very organic very much like a day in the life of type thing became this big production for which it started becoming very much not very profitable because we kept increasing the size of the production, having to rent out space for it and do all these things, and the budget didn't change. And then all the great kind of ideas and the authentic nature of it was eventually removed until you arrived at a commercial that looked like every other commercial out there. It had no authenticity to it. It had no, I mean, it was art by committee. After that shoot, I was they wanted to contract me to do five more with them. I started getting like ulcers thinking about the next shoot because the next shoot was coming up and I was like, this was the worst experience of my life. And I started just like feeling sick and constantly pressured. And I would tell them I can't do it and they would reconvince me to do it. And it happened four times until finally I just said, look, my doctor said I can't do this. And that w- that wasn't even the truth. It was just the only thing I could tell them that would get them to stop asking me to, to go back and, and do another one. Because I have such a hard time saying no. We've talked about that weakness thing. I have a hard time saying no. They kept convincing me on the phone. So I eventually just wrote an email saying, look, my doctor said not to do this. And to be honest, it probably would have been the truth if I saw my doctor because it was so stressful.
0: Yeah. Sometimes we have to think about ourselves. It's not all about money or clients or things like that. You said you used to be let's say not that good at talking about budgets and prices, but you also said you've learned a lot. Please share with us some of the highlights you think are the most important.
1: Highlights that are important. Let's see. If a client pulls up to your studio in a BMW 7 Series, a Tesla or a Mercedes, <laughs> they can definitely afford your services.
0: Yeah, that's um, a great advice. <laughs>
1: No, we I mean, we always looked at like everybody wants a good deal, you know, and like that's the thing is we've made it a policy in our studio to not negotiate. We have little freebies that we might throw in a print or a canvas or something like that just to kind of close a deal. But we don't negotiate. And the big reason for that is because we used to find this. Someone comes in, you tell them our base rate to hire one of the partners. It's anywhere between eight to ten thousand dollars for a day rate for weddings and those kind of things. What would happen is we'd get these people to come in say that they only have $5,000 or $6,000 in their budget and they can't do anything. And then we'd actually concede and go and do the shoot. And you get to the wedding and they've got $30,000 worth of florals. They've got 250 guests and they're renting out the Ritz-Carlton and everybody's got steak in filet mignon and lobster for dinner. And, and they've obviously spent a quarter million dollars on this entire thing. When you start to see that multiple times, you start realizing that, look, these people obviously have the money. They're just not valuing your work enough that could be for several reasons it could be because your work is too similar to other photographers whether you're a commercial photographer a wedding photographer a portrait photographer if your work is actually comparable to somebody else that's in a lower price point then you will be compared to that person in a lower price point but we knew that that wasn't the case for us because we felt like our work was significantly different in fact we would ask our clients because they would say like oh well so-and-so is offering this for five thousand and we go well do you like their work as much as ours no no obviously you guys are tons better that's why we're meeting with you and then you're like okay so you basically answered your own question there (laughs) So if your work is substantially different, but you're still not commanding the prices that you want, it's because you don't value yourself enough. It's because when you tell the client, our prices start at $10,000, you don't stop talking. You should say, our prices start at this. We'd love to build a custom package for you. This is where we start. Let's go ahead and get started on it. That's when you shut up. That's when you give them the chance to just think because that's what they're doing. They're thinking about it. And that's fine. Let them think about it. That was probably the biggest lesson I learned was just to shut up, present your price point, and then stop talking. Because what we as photographers do is we say, you know, we start at 10,000. And then you get uncomfortable with the five seconds of silence and you go, but, you know, for you guys, we can definitely work something out. You literally just bargained yourself down you just lowered your own price by continuing to talk that was probably my biggest lesson that i learned is these people can afford you they have the money and if you don't understand how to value yourself and how to allow them to make their own decisions you're going to basically lower your own price
0: true completely true well what's next for you and your team
1: we just purchased a 10,000 square foot building that's about two miles away from where we are right now. And we're about to move there, which will be really exciting. We have an official partnership with Creative Live. We are hoping that uh, we can create an official partnership with Canon Online Learning as well. We just met with them and we're excited about that. And so we have some really great partners that. We have dedicated space in this new facility for four or five different educational sets. So we're hoping to do a lot more education and training in addition to a full client service gallery and design studio. So we're going to be bring in a large component of in-person sales into our portrait work and our wedding work, which we're really excited about. We, we want to fill our clients' homes with prints. And the new studio and the way that we're going is going to allow us to do that. So we're really excited.
0: Awesome. You got my fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Wow, lovely. I wanted to ask you what's your recipe to become a great and famous photographer, but I think this whole conversation answered this question. If you want to add something, feel free.
1: I would say don't get into it to be a great and famous photographer. (laughs) Yeah, good. As a individual, you're going to be successful at whatever you're passionate about. But you need the passion to stick to something long enough to actually become good at it. And it's going to take thousands upon thousands of hours to get to that point. And your passion is what's going to drive you to get there through all the failure and through all the things that are just going to come naturally. And money and success and all these other things, they're just byproducts of being passionate and good at something. That's
0: it. I think you're really helping all the photographers out there to become better photographers. So where can we find you? Though I'm sure all the people listening to us right now know how to find you. <laughs> but share sure. with us your so website. Our, mm-hmm. our
1: website, um, well, our... Our photography studio is Jursa. So Linengersa.com is our actual client servicing side, primarily focused on wedding and portrait work. Our educational side is SLRLounge.com. So it's like DSLR, but minus the D Mm -hmm. SLRLounge.com. And then we also have our Facebook pages for SR Lounge and our Facebook community for SR Lounge and our YouTube channel. So we have a lot of different ways to kind of, (laughs) but that's where we get all of our education out is through that site.
0: Yeah. And we'll we'll link those sites in our show notes so you'll be able to find them there. Tell us about SLR Launch. We can learn from it a lot, but we can also contribute to it, right?
1: Yes. So those that are interested in actually becoming contributors and writers, we would love to have like educators and influencers and people that just have education to share with others so they can reach out to our editor-in-chief, Kish. Kish handles kind of all of our writers and kind of all the content that goes out into the site. So yeah, we'd love to get people on there. Should mention at this point, we get about 1.5 million views a month. Whoa. Uh, So it's a great place to just get the word out among photographers about what you're doing and what you're learning and all that kind of stuff.
0: It's an awesome place. That's why you're here. I wouldn't invite it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being our guest. It was lovely having you here.
1: Of course. It was great talking to you, Virginia.
0: What an exciting guest, isn't he? (laughs) I totally love that and I'm very grateful I had this opportunity to talk to Pai. If you want to know more about him and his team's projects, you can check out our show notes. There, you'll be able to find more information, more education and also how to contribute to their websites. You can also check out our Facebook group and grab the opportunity to have your own magazine cover. Take a look at the rules in the group and accept the challenge. Thank you very much for being with me. I'll see you on Friday.